people deluded i'm back again welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast the dg podcast the really and truly podcast yeah people i'm not gonna lie this is probably coming out later than usual it's 9 14 on my watch right now i'm not gonna cap people i've been delaying the inevitable for obvious reason you know last week we got to bantaman united fans i was running wild on snapchat on twitter and all these things and the balance of life, they're on me. My cousin is on me. My man, them are on me. You know, my Spurs friends are on me. Chelsea fans are on me. Everyone's on us Arsenal fans. We're on ourselves. We're on our manager. We're on our players. It wasn't a good game for Arsenal. I'm going to get into us last card. The emotions are still raw. And I recognise that this is an, isn't an Arsenal podcast. Despite the fact I support Arsenal. You know, we like to cover the Premier League and things. So, we'll get on to Arsenal in a sec. Let me calm down a bit. But let's talk about probably what I would describe as the marquee game of the Premier League weekend. It was Manchester City versus Liverpool. As you know, they drew 1-1. The game had everything. Kevin De Bruyne, for me, one of the worst games I've seen him play. And forgive me if I'm wrong, he's technically got an assist. He missed the penalty. You know, he's playing like Pogba. Man United fans, I had to. You'll have been on me. I had to. But on a serious note, Kevin De Bruyne didn't have the best of games. The touches weren't coming off. The passes weren't coming off. He's a world-class player. He'll get back to good. But he was having a stink, as was Raheem Sterling. You know, Gabez just scored a good goal. I really enjoyed the last 20 minutes in particular because it felt like City went for it. But I'm not going to lie. There were elements of that game. It did feel like, a, or it was made clear that it's a different city. They're not as aggressive. They do allow a lot of space. And I, obviously, I'm not a Manchester City or Liverpool fan. And there was a lot of rhetoric around, oh, City have to win, City have to win. You know, it's either make or break in the title hopes. I can see why they'd say that. I can see not because City are going to drop more points this season. Liverpool are going to drop more points. And everybody is. Everybody's been poor this season. So, you know, I still think it'll be down to these two to contest it. But you want to see either team or you'd hope for fans of either team to put a consistent run. That being said, it does obviously feel like two points dropped and a point gained for Liverpool. As I said, I'm sure both teams would have taken a point. I know Pep and Gab Jesus and all of these guys before the game were quite bullish on needing to win and all of these things. And neither team will be happy with a point. But I'm sure when the emotion settles, it's not the end of the world. You know, it's a point, two good sides, two teams that could exploit and beat each other on another date. You know, obviously with missing a penalty with Kevin De Bruyne, with injuries to key players, you know, there's never been a better time to potentially play Liverpool. Big up Jurgen Klopp, people, because I think he went for it. There was a lot of talk, Yota or Firmino. Firmino has to get dropped. He went for a broke and I think a bit of that. I think if he had Van Dijk and Firmino, he might have changed it up because I wouldn't say he went for broke or he, he went on some attacking thing, but I think he went on it. It's like clearly we're weaker defensively. I'm Jurgen Klopp. More time, the best the best form of defence is attack. Let's do this thing. And there wasn't a massive drop-off in quality with their defenders. You know, Matip is fit. Gomez was fit. They did what they needed to do in midfield. And they get, and the team, both teams did cancel each other out. But I do think it was a good game, man. You know, it was a game filled of errors. Kyle Walker, another day, another penalty conceded. You know, Mo Salah made no mistake from the spot. Both teams had chances they should have put away. You know, I, forgive me if I'm wrong, Mares, I, Mares didn't even play, he weren't in the squad, forgive me if I'm wrong. I think, you know, in, this, in the second half, when it became clear that, you know, Sterling is trying to get at Milner and whatnot, you need 1v1 specialists. And, and, and I was very impressed with Cancelo at left-back, I wasn't the biggest fan of his, but you have to respect him for his thing. It was a good game, people. Like I said, what a goal from Gab Jesus and, and whatnot. 
Statistically, since a run of 35 consecutive Premier League wins when opening the scoring between February and July, Liverpool have failed to win four of their last seven games when opening the scoring, losing one and drawing three. Kevin De Bruyne's penalty is the first, mi first to miss the target completely in a Premier League game since October 2018. Obviously, in this exact fixture, when, when Riyad Mahrez blazed over against Liverpool. So, Liverpool have some good omens in that regards. With Gab Pazis' equaliser, it was the most passes, 19, in a build-up to a Premier League goal against Liverpool since September 2017, which obviously was a strike again by Gab Pazis and again assisted by Kevin De Bruyne. And it was also 19 passes. So, deja vu in terms of missed penalties, deja vu in terms of Gab Pazis. On the topic of Gab Pazis, with that now being said, he now has six goals in his last seven appearances, people, doing his thing. And Man City have a record of winning winning 34 and drawing one in the previous 35 PL games in which he has played. You know, the grass is green, the sky is blue and Mohamed Salah keeps scoring. What a player he is. Mo Salah has scored eight goals for Liverpool in this season's Premier League. No player has ever scored more in the Reds' first eight games of a campaign in a competition. My screen time is down as you lot heard, people. Obviously, we lost, so my screen time would be down. But with that... He's level with Robbie Fowler in 1995-96 and Fernando Torres in 2009-2010. Not bad company to be in. Liverpool have dropped seven points in the Premier League this season. It took 30 games to drop as many points as last season. Man City has 12 points after seven games, which is their fewest at this stage of a Premier League season since 2008-2009, where they had nine points. So I think that further illustrates what I'm talking about is nobody's Nobody's making this season their own. Every I don't know if it's pre-season. I don't know if it's in, lack of it. I don't know if it's pre-season. I don't know what it is, but not one player, not one team has looked 100%. Like, for me, City and Liverpool have looked good this season. Clearly not at all times. You know, Leicester the same. Clearly not. Spurs even, I don't want to say it, but they've looked good. But equally, when you see how they played against West Brom in the first half, drop points against West Ham, they ain't been perfect. Arsenal and perfect cannot never be in the same sentence. And there's a bag of teams, you know. Southampton have had a good season, to be fair with you. You know, I'd say Southampton and Leicester, if I was a set of fans, if I was most happy with our start to the season, it's probably Leicester, Southampton, maybe Aston Villa. In fact, no, Aston Villa fans, you won 7-2 against Liverpool. You smacked us up yesterday, you know. I'd say Aston Villa... Southampton and Leicester fans probably the happiest. I'm gonna write that down because that's giving me inspiration for our next vid. So what did I say? I said Aston Villa fans. I said Southampton, and I said Leicester. You see me, people. You lot, are, I'm making a podcast for you lot, and I, even though you lot are not here, you're giving man creative juices. Who said? Who says you can't be creative wherever? But like I said, when both teams, you know, look at it without emotion, yeah, there was things they could have done better. You know, even though. Um, Kevin missed that penalty The sequence that led to it The sequence that led to Mo Salas The sequence that led to Gab Jesus's goal You know, there's things both teams could have done better But I think it was a good game for the neutrals Like I said, I really enjoyed the last 20 minutes I think Liverpool started to creep into old habits They stopped pressing with as much aggression They began to look tired And I think on the back of that A point is a good result for either team And like I said, both teams could have done better To avoid the goals they conceded But good game Enough about that game Spurs, you know, again, it's not a bit like Arsenal when we're getting these nitty gritty victories like Spurs did against West Ham, you know, people praise it, you know, it's nitty gritty, it's the mark of a good team, you can't always win playing well, a lot of that is facts people, but a lot of the things you're seeing in Spurs' play have been there all season really and truly, like first half they mustered just one shot and they were all over West Brom, you know, Son had a great chance he should have scored, 
Bale was lackluster. Obviously, I still think Bale's going to be a hit in the Premier League. But what do you expect? He ain't had a run of form. If we if he if he has five ten games on the spin, he's still moving like that. Then we'll we'll speak about it. But they were quite lost, lackluster. They were quite lethargic. They were creating, but you know West Brom were just holding firm. And you 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 knew Spurs were going to get it. But I just feel Spurs could play a bit better in that regards and cut teams open a bit more. And saying that they are top goal scorers or one of the top goal scorers in the league, I'm not criticizing them at all. Um, but who cares, man? They got the they got the three points. They go into the international break happy. Harry Kane, Winks, I was about to say Deli Ali there, but Dyer, all of these sort of men go off to the international break and you know can do what they need to do. For for Jose Mourinho, you know he still keeps in good spirits. Um, it is what it is. You know Harry Kane reached a landmark in this in in the week. You know with scoring, I believe, his two hundredth goal for Spurs. Um, he's now at 150 goals in the Premier League, people. 218 appearances, 150 goals. Only Sergio Aguero and Alan Sugar, man said Alan Sugar, Alan Shearer, <laughs> scored their 150, scored their 150th Premier League goal in fewer appearances. <coughs> Apologies, people. <coughs> you lot don't deserve to hear that, <coughs> but Arsenal is stressing me. Apologies, I should have left some water here, but as I was saying. Um, it took Alan Shearer <coughs> 212 games. It took Sergio. It took Sergio one less than Kane, to be fair. 217. So, congratulations to Harry Kane. <coughs> Let me compose myself. This is so poor. <coughs> so, yeah, man. It is what it is, man. Compose myself. Coughing's done. But as I said, man, only Alan Shearer and Sergio have done it in fewer games than Harry Kane. You know, what a signing Harry Kane's been. And for me... Obviously, it's not like Jamie Vardy, but it is a bit. It's like Kane. Obviously, Kane didn't have the journey um, Jamie Vardy did. But it's not like Harry Kane was, you know, he, he made his debut at 18, which he probably did. And he's part of the first team ever since. My man's been out on loan. He's done all of this. And it's like he's been there since 18 and he's got the record to show it. And, you know, he's, he's, he's getting on a bit in terms of age and whatnot. You know, I still have in my mind he's still 24 years of age, but he's had a fantastic career definitely at Spurs and he is a complete striker and in terms of all all round play you know off the top of my head you can't really get more there's strikers in the league you know that can talk to him about being a better or levels goal scorer but all round package you know Kane's a baller goals assists all of them things it's like even in the even in the game against West Brom I think Bale played it down the channel Kane got his body in front he looked up and he found Son and if Son scores that that's a match of the day highlight team move for Spurs um so big up Kane for doing his thing man Hopefully, there's no trophies to match and all of these records mean F4 in isolation. Um, as I said, Spurs mustered just one shot during the opening 20, 45 minutes. Apologies. That's the first time since that's the third time um, since Jose Mourinho took charge. They managed no fewer than one attempt in the first half. Um, they only did that in as few as four of um, Pochettino's 202 league games in charge. Oh, well. It is what it is, man. That is what you expect with Jose. 1-0 to the, to the Spurs and all of those sort of logics and rhetoric and whatnot. But that being said, we all know in the Premier League it's not sustainable. Unless you've got, you know, George Graham's back five, one of the historic Manchester United defences, it's not sustainable. And even so, it's in the current day, 38 games, you're not going to win the bulk of them 1-0 and stuff. You're gonna It's going to be 2-1s and 3-2s and 4-0s and all of these things, you know. Um it's not sustainable, but I'm sure Spurs fans will not care. They go into the international break, you know, on a win. Man, um, Spurs have won all three of their away Premier League games this season. Only three times in their history have they won their opening four on the road in the league campaign. 
um, which was in 1949 slash 50, 1960, 61 and 2017, 18. It is what it is. Leeds, Leicester, sorry, beat, beat Wolves. Like you saw, it was a good game. You know, it further con con um, convinces us that Leicester are here to stay. Will they qualify for the Champions League and do one better than last season after losing it <clears throat> from such a precarious position? Only who, who knows? In fact, forget top four. Could they even win the league? Because if you look at their season... Premier League season comparison after eight games. 2015-16, they won four, drew three, lost one. Had 17-4, 15 against, and had 15 points. This year, they've got 18 points, people, with six wins, no draws, two defeats, 18-4, um, nine against. Could they win the league? I mean, you know, mathematically, they can. And if you believe in omens and whatnot, it, it is what it is. You know, the only bad thing in this game is that Vardy missed a penalty, and I'm sure those of you that have him in your FPL teams... You know, you have to concede that someone who's... You've been a bit greedy with Vardy. Vardy's been feeding you lot a lot. Um, and, he's, you know, you have to deal with that. It, it is what it is. I think Wolves were a bit timid throughout the whole game. They didn't really offer much in an attacking sense until it was kind of too late. Nice to obviously see Fabio Silva off the bench get some minutes. You know how Wolves got these football manager signings. You know, for Rui Patricio, he has saved three of the last six Premier League penalties he has faced. Well, he's the first keeper to face two in the first half of a Premier League game since Tim Krul did in October 2019 against Manchester United. Leicester have been awarded eight penalties after only eight Premier League matches this season. The previous earliest aside had won eight penalties of the campaign was 16 was after 16 matches. Um, and guess who it was? Any guess? Any guess? Any guess? There's only one team. There's only one manager that pays their direct debits. Manchester United last season after 16 matches. So, yeah. Leicester have won 18 points in their opening eight Premier League games, winning six, losing two, which is their best ever start to a top flight season um, and best start to a season since winning 19 points in 2008-09 when they were in League One. Um, Jamie Vardy has now taken and scored five penalty this season, more than any other Premier League team, while only in 2015-16, 13, which was 13, have the Foxes been awarded more spot kicks in a single Premier League campaign. Currently, you know what they are, I believe, seven. Um, moving away from that, folks, people, and you had Fulham losing to West Ham. And I think, you know, with that, Fulham can't buy a win. Fulham are winless in 16 London League derbies, um, losing 15 and drawing one. They've had 12 consecutive defeats. You know, they're flirting with relegation right now. They can't buy a win. Managers' jobs are on the line. Players' jobs are on the line. Some of you will not be playing top-flight football if you go down you know, with that, there's going to be cuts, especially with Corona going down. I know there's parachute payments, but there is going to be cutbacks across the board, whether that's hospitality, groundsmen or whatever. So everybody's fighting for their jobs. For me, if I'm Scott Parker, I'm sorry, but Lookman isn't going to play for me again this season. You know, if anything, he's not going to play for a very long time until I'm, I'm healed. You know, it's not that I don't believe in, in Lookman. It's not that I don't care. It's just for me, if I'm Scott Parker, I can't trust Lookman. You know, my job is on the line. A couple more defeats. Man, are going to look at me like I need to go. You know, we're all fighting all week to get a, uh, to turn this around. Like I said, we're fighting for everyone's positions. And you get a penalty to get us a couple of points. Well, to get us a point better yet at the time. And you're, you're chipping it with your weaker peg, with your weaker foot. Now, if you smashed it and took a penalty normally, you know, and the keeper saves it, you know, we talk about how heroic Rui Patricio is. And obviously, it's not nice to miss a penalty, but you did all you could. You know, the I like the confidence to take it. If it works, you're a genius. But for me, that tells me psychologically you're not there. 
you're not there mentally you're not mentally tough enough because again everybody's fighting for their roles you were focused on how you're gonna look on youtube how you're gonna look on match of the day put the penalty away properly take it properly and then when you've done that such a tame effort with your weaker foot you didn't sort yourself out mentally so mentally you're quite feeble and that's the sort of stuff that means i can't play for you again because you've picked yourself over the team take the penalty properly you score you get something and lookman's got ability you know he was a hero against sheffield united so the ability is there but this is why this is this is sort of decision making as to why he wasn't as prolific in germany when he returned and as to why it didn't work at everything i'm a fan of lookman you know he's a very good player he just needs some club a club where he can get some love now he has to hold face the music it was a stupid penalty an idiotic penalty he's going to live with him forever i don't know why he done that you know for me as i said you'd never play again because you've let the team down i can't trust you you know at the same time it's not all lookman's fault you know why why if you are in a situation when you're relying on a penalty to get something out of the game in the dying embers you know whatever way you look at it your team hasn't been playing well enough so the whole team has to take the collective do you get and for me i hope it doesn't kill lookman's confidence you know it should dent it of course it will but it shouldn't kill it i like that he wanted to take a penalty like that it just looks idiotic i like that he wanted to take a penalty full stop i don't want this to to play he is a very much a confidence player after the international break i don't want this to play on his mind but he's got to face the music man it was a stupid penalty you know for west ham they're laughing you know they're off the hook they'll they'll you know west ham will take three points anywhere they can get it um today in today's day and age you know west ham have done all right since david Moyes has sadly had to recover from corona they've all come together as a team and done quite well so i'm sure west ham are not going to care obviously when you see suchek score in 90 odd minutes you're not really going to care both teams had a lot of efforts you know west ham had more shots on target 16 shots seven on target you know fulham are quite toothless they've had 13 shots three on target so it was quite poor in that regard then again like i said there's not too many of this fulham squad that i can see playing premier league football if they do not stay up you know you've got loftus cheek who will find a move you know um lookman will probably get a move somewhere people will look at mitrovic i don't mind anguisa bobby reed seems to always get a move you know anya and tolson at right back and center half respectively will get moves and the keepers on loan but past that hector ream caviero even kaney carney whatever his name is harrison reed you're not bad players but you know some of you will not be playing premier league football if you don't buck up your ideas it's as simple as it's as simple as that and for me i'd, well, I'd feel quite cheated by lookman if i was another member of that of the 11 squad that started because you've let me down we're all fighting take the penalty properly but win lose or draw they're all in it together you can't just blame lookman you know it's a stupid penalty it takes the headlines it probably even takes the headline away from players that other players that were playing poor because this was drama at the late at the late in the game so it depends how you look at it people really and truly moving away from that though and sheffield united was slaughtered by chelsea you have Chilwell scoring you have tammy abraham i'm happy for tammy abraham because again i ain't got his records to hands but he's been playing well these last few weeks and he's even when he hasn't scored or assisted he's been playing quite well and you know he's shown he can have a role in that side fair enough last season he was you know scoring goals and he went off the boil a bit um, and then Giroud picked up the slack but that's what a squad's about 
and t- um, Tammy's been playing well. He's he's not got scared of the fight, you know, with Werner and all of these people. And he's done well and he's given Lampard, like all of them, pro- po- positive headaches. So it was nice to see Tammy Abraham get on the score sheet. Thiago Silva obviously scored. Hakim Ziyech assists King in that game. You know, some of his deliveries were ridiculous. Some of his trickery was ridiculous. 30-odd million. Water still. Water still. Water still. We need Hakim Ziyech more than Chelsea need him. You got Avarts. You know, you got Mount. You got, you know, Billy Gilmore waiting in the wings. They got creativity in abundance, you know. It is what it is. Like I said, Chelsea ran riot, you know. Hakim Ziyech for me, man of the match. Chilwell getting on the score sheet. Shout out to David McGoldrick. I believe he's got four goals in the Premier League. And three of them have come against Chelsea. One of those against Arsenal. Um, Chelsea won't care, you know. The only problem I could see with that game, I'm sure Chelsea and Chelsea's defenders, considering they've been putting a run of form together in terms of clean sheets, I'm sure they won't be happy to concede the first goal in the manner they did. You know, they're done from a short a short corner. They switched off and, you know, they're not getting a clean sheet. But other than that, you know, Hakim Ziyech, like I said, it was a Hakim Ziyech clinic, you know. No players created more chances in a Premier League game this season than Hakim Ziyech did against Sheffield United. He created six chances and got a, and two assists, you know. Thiago Silva is the sixth oldest player to score for Chelsea in the Premier League at 36 years of age and four, four, 49, 46, 36 years of age and 46 days while only Glenn Hoddle at 36 years and 150 days scored his first goal for the Blues at an older age than the Brazilian <clears throat> Ben Chilwell who had a good game you know Ramsdale was quite poor for his goal but he's been directly involved in four goals in three Premier League home games for Chelsea two goals two assists that's as many as he did in 50 in his 52 home appearances for Leicester in the competition, so he's improved to a slight degree, or maybe Lampard demands a bit more of him. Like I said, David McGoldrick has scored as many Premier League goals in eight appearances this season as he did in 28 last term. Three, three, three of his four Premier League goals in general have come against Chelsea. Werner has scored five goals from six attempts on target in all comps for Chelsea. And Werner's goal, I like the way he smacked it. You know, it screamed aggression. And I think, you know, Chelsea have a couple of good players in that regards. You know, every signing they've made in the summer for me is going to be a hit. Hakim Ziyech, you can, you always know when someone's a baller. It's just a case of can you do it week in, week out. Werner, for me, eventually is going to become a 20-league goal striker. He, I like his aggression, his movement, the way he takes chances, his positivity. You know, Havertz is a baller. And again, it's a bit like the Ozils and the Pogba's and... All of these things with the big money signings, but it's going to work for Havertz, in my humble opinion. Thiago Silva isn't going to be there forever, but it seems to be working. So, and obviously, Mendy's coming goal. They look better than with Kepa. So, it seems to all be gelling. Uh, excluding this game, they were getting clean sheets. You know, it's just down to Chelsea, because if Chelsea don't get top four, then, you know, you've probably got to look at Lampard's job, because there's no excuse, really and truly. Um, away from that though, shout out to Southampton. They defeated Newcastle two goals to nil. I'm seeing Theo Walcott miss chances, so it's expected. But I'm happy my boy got an assist. It's been a great period for Southampton, as you know. And Che Adams has been playing well as well. He struggled initially to adapt to the Premier League, but he's now got three goals. Um, in, he scored in three of Southampton's eight league games this season. People, three goals. That's as many. Um, different Premier League goals and uh, different Premier League matches he has found the netting in his 30 appearances last season so he got four and 30 last season he's got three and eight this year which is quite well shout out to Danny Welbeck for missing a whole host of chances but Brighton you know Brighton had a lot of chances sadly you know Brighton versus Burnley it's nil nil I'm sure Sean Dykes could do without a draw they need three points Brighton had 12 shots in the first half against Burnley, which was the most the Seagulls have ever had in opening 45 minutes of a Premier League game. 
either way both teams share the spoils people Manchester United Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the sack is looming you know he's got a target on its back on his back but he's come out fighting you know he's got a positive result at Goodison against Carlo Ancelotti I believe that's Carlo Ancelotti's third defeat in the Premier League in a row and it goes back to what I was saying about Everton they've started off strong they can have a good season but this is why I'm saying we shouldn't draw many conclusions because man was saying top four Premier League title for Everton are they still saying this with three defeats I'm not saying they can't do this I'm just saying you know the, the, the rhetoric around these things people do you get it but like I said, you know, Man United are going to be living, you know, Bruno Fernandes made sure he could do a thing for them. You know, they did what they needed to do. Cavani, obviously, at the end, getting his debut goal. They did what they needed to do, people. They come from behind. It was a poor goal to concede, but they did what they had to do. Manchester United are the third team to win three consecutive Premier League away games, having conceded first in each. That's after Leeds in 1999 and Spurs in 2013. Um, in his 10th appearance in the Premier League, Bruno has 13 goals, goal involvements on the road, 9 goals, 4 assists, the most of any player in their first 10 away games in the competition. So nice of Partey to free up Bruno Fernandes. I had to do it. I'm sour, people. We lost it is what it is. Manchester United have won more Premier League games against Everton than any other side has won against another in the competition's history. Manchester United have won 7 successive away games in the league equalize equally equaling apologies the longest winning away run in the premier league senior league history which was set by sir alex ferguson obviously and his team between april and august 1993 cavani as i said got his debut goal he is the second uruguayan to score a premier league goal for manchester united after diego Forlan, Forlan who scored the last of his 10 premier league goals for the club in december 2013 so, you know, I'm, I'm sure Cavani wants to start games. What has it been, five or six games off the bench in, in succession? I know he's had corona and he's been missing in terms of match fitness. And also, his season ended at PSG early. So, he, you know, he's having to do a lot to get back to fitness. But I think Cavani will be a success in the league, man. I know when you, when you see Man United with typical players like this, it ain't worked out. But for me... I don't know. I'm just stuck on the Cavani I used to see at Napoli and things. You know, when you think of Cavani, I think of movement. And it don't matter how you are. When you've got good movement and you've got a team that's going to find you, again, disclaimer, I don't know if that's Man United, but they've got Bruno and Pogba and these sort of guys. You will score goals. You will have a good time, in my humble opinion, people. But who knows, really? You know? South London is Crystal Palace. Put Leeds to the sword 4-1. Arsenal, do your homework, you know? We got Leeds next. Them winning, losing 4-1 is irrelevant. Go and look at Patrick Bamford because you failed to mark Ollie Watkins properly. Go and look at Bamford. If I'm Bamford, he must think VAR's got an agenda against him. I mean, VAR's been moving across the Premier League once again. You saw VAR moving mad. You know, it saved our bacon temporarily against Aston Villa. Um, you know, but it's, it, it, it's sad. Like, I mean, I don't think Bamford is offside at, at that moment in time. Like, a man is pointing, he's onside, his body's behind the ball, but it is what it is. Um, I think Mislier for Leeds, he had a day to forget. You know, he could have done better for a couple of goals, but he's a young goalie. Obviously, Eze got his first goal, I believe, for Crystal Palace in the league. And what a goal it was. It was a lovely free kick, people. Um, you know, I feel sorry for Bamford. As I said, he's become the second player this season to score in each of his side's first four Premier League away games, along with Jamie Vardy. Only three players had managed this before in the competition. Aguero in 2014-15. Daniel Sturridge in 13-14 and Thierry Henry in 2001-2002. Um, 
Bamford is also the, becomes the first Leeds player to score in four consecutive top flight away games since Mark Viduka in 2002. He netted six in his four Premier League away appearances for Leeds this season. This is also the fifth time Eze has both scored and assisted in a single league game and the first time since a goal and assist against Preston in March this year. Scott Dan scored a thumping header, which I feel the keeper could have done better. He's behind the ball. He's behind the goal line. Sorry, his goal line before it's even left um, Scott Dan's head. But his opener against Leeds was his first goal in 35 Premier League appearances since netting against Bournemouth in December 2017. So the centre-half has waited three years, but it's finally arrived, people. And just as I was starting to like football again, people, we've got to speak about Arsenal versus Aston Villa. What can I say? You know me, I keep it real. Slaughtered, bullied, destroyed, annihilated, outmuscled, outclassed across every department would be the way I would describe it. Before I talk about Arsenal, because I don't want it to, you know, typically you will focus on how poor Arsenal was and not how good Aston Villa is in the same way I think we were victim of that against Man United and, and, and things like that to a degree. Of course, I'm reaching and have been in other games. You know, we were good against Liverpool in the league last year, but people focused on the mistakes from Van um, um, Van Dijk and Alisson, which obviously we exploited. Aston Villa, you heard Dean Smith prior to the game. We've got to take advantage of Arsenal when the moment presents it. And I saw that. Whatever they worked on all week, collectively, the game plan worked. Not that Martinez was tested too tough, but he was involved. And he's actually involved in some of the goals. You know, quick a quick thinking from him began the moves. You know, collectively, they've kept a clean sheet. Not that we offered anything really in an attacking sense. They've kept a clean sheet. And considering how all them defenders played against Southampton, dramatic uptake in results. They had to because their fans would be onto them, not that the fans are in the stadium. Midfield won their battles. Collectively, they did their thing. Individually, across the whole park, every Aston Villa player won their individual battles. Defenders, midfielders, strikers, the same. Everyone wanted to make the difference. You know, Jack Grealish, do I need to tell you how much of a baller he is? And you saw the game. He put on a clinic against us. You know, he wanted to be the local boy, the hero once again. Barkley said, no, nah, you know what? I want people to, to, to know what I'm on. Barkley created F amount of chances, you know. You know, you, you can't, if Barkley keeps playing like this, you can't not get in the England side. He wanted to be the poster boy of this game. Ollie Watkins said, no, nah, I'm an Arsenal fan. I used to play in League 2. I slaughtered Liverpool earlier this season. I want to put I want to put Arsenal to the sword. He grabbed the brace. You know, Target played quite well. Fantastic performance from, from from Aston Villa. Man to a man. You would not have thought that they was the away team. You would not have thought that they lost back-to-back -back home games, people. You know, for us, it's, I mean, back-to-back -back games. For us, it's back-to-back -back home defeats as well. You, we didn't look like a team that badly wanted to go into the international break on a high. We didn't look like a team that wanted to react after a disappointing home result against Leicester that didn't want to lose for the second time in 2020 at the Emirates. You know, it's poor. And this is why, you know, the manager, the players, everybody connects with the club, talk a very good game. But the doing's expensive. I don't want to hear we know what we need to do. We know where we need to go wrong and, and this and that. You can't do this in these games. We know that. We fucking know that. You know, you talk about top four. If you can't, if you can't display consistency, beating Man United away is a good result, regardless of where they are as a football club. But it's effing irrelevant if you're going to lose to Aston Villa. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean that you've got to put consistency together. You know, we're coming into the hardest period of our season, generally. And we can't afford to feel sorry for ourselves. In no order, you've got Wolves, you've got a North London derby. So sure, we've got Chelsea on Boxing Day. You've got Leeds at Ellen Road. And again, I still got vivid memories of Manchester City at that place. You know, the games are coming thick and fast. And you play like that, you're going to lose them all. 
the manager has to face criticism because again he's not providing nothing to suggest these players have the freedom to pick apart teams in a creative system i'm not seeing one or two touch passes it's way too lethargic it's way too ro um, robotic the players weren't in it at all you know they weren't their heads weren't there were they on holiday already were they thinking about international break already was there an arrogance that they could just turn up and win you know, and I hope there wasn't because we played two games this week against you in the Europa and in the league people. And in both games, we've, we've been sluggish. We've been slow. And the other team have taken the lead. Got away with it against Mulder. Didn't get away with it against Villa. And these results are needed because it firmly tells you where this squad is. You know, if any Arsenal fan was was was, was dazed. 46 seconds, VAR saves our bacon. McGinn should have a goal and Arsenal should wake up. If you don't wake up from there is what it is and it further confirms you when a team is in a bad patch or things aren't happening for them play arsenal and your ish turns around it is what it is arsenal deserve to lose deserve to lose every player was poor i'm a big fan of Aubameyang, and i think we're not doing anything to allow him to shoot the last time he had a shot in open plays sheffield united but he's poor because he's poor i'm not even gonna waste my breath on william because he's not worth it william is shit pardon my language um you know, Lacazette clearly declining, offering nothing, you know, things can change and we need to keep the squad together, obviously nothing's going to change in January, but these players are a bunch of pretenders and Arteta's blind loyalty, like I get it, if you think Pepe's frustrating and whatnot, but all the excuses for Pepe not starting and things, you don't have a leg to stand on when I see what Williams doing, because Williams not even messed defensively, I thought, you, alright cool, you play him, he gives Bellerin a lot defensively, that right wing, down Aston Villa's left, slaughtered for all them goals. You know, William is not bringing the best out of players in the eye call. He might not score an assist, but, you know, he links up very well with Aubameyang and them and there. He's not doing that. He's not getting goals. He's not getting assists. He's not def He's not even moving like a defensive winger. So, pardon my language, why the fuck is he on the football pitch? What is he offering? What is he doing to consistently play week in, week out? And this is the danger with giving man like that three-year deals because when they're not doing the dirt... You're looking at it now and you're questioning why. Cedric Suarez is irrelevant to this game, but to further reiterate the point, why are you giving man at this age in their careers these deals? Chelsea wanted to keep it. Chelsea said, nah, F that. We're not giving you a three-year deal and whatever you want. They've got Ziyech. They're not missing William. They might miss him one day when, yeah, they bring him off the bench and whatnot. They're not missing William. You know, William, sometimes, even when transfers are free, they prove costly. And for the wages you've probably given William, for the length of the duration... There's no point, people. William should be a squad player. Why is William playing on a regular? He's yet to bag. You know, he's done his thing against Fulham away from home. Give him his credit. Against Man United away, I'm not going to lie. Collectively, you know, we weren't perfect, but we was better. William definitely offered more in an attacking sense than he did. But he's back to his usual self. I'm sure, I'm sure you all saw that slice shot with his left foot. Well, now he's playing for the other team, people. Don't pass to him. It's ridiculous. We deserve that. We deserve that. We go again. We go again. Shout out to Jack Grealish. Baller, you know, as much as I'm an Arsenal fan, you couldn't admire how he was moving. Of course, with a game like that, we're screaming, why have we got a player like that? Can we buy Grealish? Unless you've got 70, 80 million because of that English tax, and definitely how he's playing now, forget about it. We could even, we, but we should, in hindsight, we should have even been begging to take Ross Barkley on loan from Chelsea. You know, it's a madness. Statistically, it doesn't get much better or, or look much better in terms of reading. Credit to Aston Villa. Ollie Watkins is the third player to score two plus goals for Aston Villa in a Premier League game at Arsenal after Christian Benteke and Darren Bent. Bent did it in 011, Benteke did it in 2013. Aston Villa have opened a top flight, top division season with three away wins for the first time in their history. Aston Villa have not conceded in their opening three Premier League away games, having failed to keep any away clean sheets last season. 
you know Arsenal have won have won one of their previous six games under 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 Arteta when trailing at half time while they've gone on to lose each of their last four so we don't respond well when going to go down big up Jack Grealish he's been directly involved in nine goals in the Premier League this season four goals and five assists only Spurs pair Harry Kane and Son Heung-min have had a hand in more and you'd imagine the big boys are going to sign Grealish you know you'd imagine I'm sure Spurs and Arsenal would love him. It's out of our price range. United might as well take him for no reason. City might as well take him for no reason. I think he'd be a fan. I think he's a great fit for Liverpool, to be fair with you, in that I'd play him in a midfield three, to be fair with you. Um, or he obviously can play on the flanks. You know, he would slot into every team, you know, and you'd wonder how long is he going to be a one-club man? You'd imagine, obviously, we're not in the Champions League, but a player like that should be playing in Europe in some capacity. And only God knows, he's probably going to go to the Euros. He's having a good season. Hopefully it continues. You know, he's got the iconic low socks. He's a big Meza Ozil fan. Come to Arsenal. He's clearly been watching 11. But you'd think a move is happening for him. Grealish is a fantastic player. And every game he plays like this, it makes Southgate look even more stupid. Because you, you keep hearing Southgate talking about pecking order. What pecking order is there for England? You bet you get your best players in there. If Southgate had any bottle, you know, folding Grealish would be central to your plans. They're the two most creative men you've got. Instead, you're going to throw in, I think Declan Rice should play, but you're going to throw in a Declan Rice, a Winks, a Henderson. With all due respect to any of them, because they're not bad players, you slap them all on the football field, you're hardly going to get creativity. But away from Southgate, people, Aston Villa are the third side in the Premier League, in Premier League history to to win each of their first three away games in a season without conceding a goal. Um, that Chelsea did that in 2005-06 and Man City did that in 2015-16. Um, Arsenal have scored just nine goals in eight Premier League games this season, which is our fewest at this stage of a league campaign since 1998-99, which also we bagged nine goals. Um, this is the first time Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has played 90 minutes in a Premier League home game without attempting a shot. Um, Aubameyang was only one of three outfield players who didn't record an attempt for Arsenal after this game. So Aubameyang has to take responsibility because he's playing poor. But what does that tell you? In our poor form, currently, we need to move Aubameyang central. He's, you know, where, as much as his form is, is making it easy for him to be pocketed, he, you know, we're toothless already. We're, we're, he's, he's dying on the left flank, you know. When this will work and well and we're in form, and you put him out there. But I can't see... We always hear balance. It's, it's for the balance of the team. What balance? Because Aubameyang can press like Lacazette. I never saw no hold-up play to suggest, all right, cool, because I know a lot of people say, that, oh, the Lacazette's got the hold-up play, drops deep, I hear all of that. But where was all of that yesterday? And it's all overstated. You play Aubameyang through the middle, you play Saka on the left, you bring in Pepe on the right, you've got fast, dynamic movement. That's what you need. Then you need players behind them with the bravery to, to play them. I'm not criticising the pivot that started, because I would have started the same pivot. But I thought El Nene would have come out for Xhaka purely because whether I agree with it or not, typically a lot of our attacking play runs through Xhaka. And I, I, it's not that I condone it, it's not that I'm saying Xhaka should have started, it's not that I'm saying Xhaka starts, it's a different game. But... I could have seen the angle because he's more likely to want to get onto the ball and, and, and all of these things. El Nene wasn't poor yesterday. Well, we all poor, but he wasn't good. And, you know, not to scapegoat El Nene, but, you know, games like this, El Nene can pass the ball forward. But it, this is what highlights you need a creative man because against United, where you're playing against a diamond, you're playing against good technical footballers, you're playing on a big pitch, you're playing in a game where you probably expect to, expect to concede possession. I understand El Nene, but in a game like this where typically you should be on the front foot, what is he bringing? And I'm not saying I'm not saying El Nene was poor. He shouldn't have played. I'm talking about the personnel of players we have available, and all of this is a direct consequence of of 
failing to pattern in the market. I can't. I, I have sympathy for Arteta, but my sympathy only goes so far, people. You know, not that a lot of people are always gonna say Meza Ozil should have played. Meza Ozil should have played. Meza Ozil should have played. He plays, we're still gonna have the same result. Ozil has played, and we've looked clo clueless in an attacking sense. In the same way, there's been Bearman. It's not as easy, you know, what I'm seeing in terms of the system isn't as black and white to suggest you bring in a creative man and we're gonna, there's an uptake in performance. It isn't going to happen, people. It isn't going to happen. And I have, not, I have sympathy for Arteta because we know who the board is, but I don't have sympathy, people, in the sense of, you know, you margin it. If I'm Arteta, we know it's above him. But if I know I'm not bringing a creative man and I know the, the squad is weak, Ozil is being registered. I might marginalise him, but he can be registered. That's a, At least that's one luxury Uno Emre gave himself. You know, I'm going to rub out Ozil, but on paper, he's still registered. I can still utilise him. You've shackled yourself. When you're talking about you can't leave man out, but there's 27 players, there's a 25-man squad and it pains you and this and that. You've not given yourself a leg to stand on. You haven't. Arteta has not given himself a leg to stand on, people at all you've marginalized Ozil you've not brought in a man the, addressing someone like Partey bringing in Partey's profile was as equal as bringing in a creative 8 or a 10 failed to do that so you failed to bring in a man you failed to register players you know you failed to fix this in-house whether you're going to use Smith Rowe Joel Willett Reese Nelson you know William even in that 10 role not that I think on current for me play better you haven't given yourself a leg to stand on. Is there, This is a direct consequence of your decision. So how can I be surprised that there's a lack of creativity? You know, I like the fact of, you know, the 1-0 to the Arsenal, how we've played in big games. But it's not sustainable game in, game out over a 38-game period. In isolation, when you're doing it against City one time or United or Liverpool every couple of weeks, you can do that. Even then, it becomes bait. But you've got to offer something. I like that he thinks about us a lot defensively. But you've got to offer something going forward. And we are extremely toothless in the final third. That's down to the players being poor and needing to take responsibility. But it's also down to Mikel Arteta's tactics. I believe in Arteta. I'm still going to back Arteta. But what you have to do realistically is ask questions, people. And it's games like this, you know. when we That's the thing. Fans of all clubs, Arsenal, whatever. When you win, it's all hush-hush. Yeah, it's the signs of a big team. We won, we got away with it. When it was against Leicester in the Carling Cup, when it was against West Ham, when it was against Molda, even against Rapid Vienna, man never said nothing. Fair enough, the team was rotated. When you lose 3-0, it's only now people want to do real diagnostics around the result. Why these things happen? And this is what this is what annoys me about football fans because they fail to keep a clear, clear head whether you've won, lost or drawn and analyse things for what it is. You praise Arteta, you're called an Arteta sympathiser ridiculously. You criticise him, you're saying, oh, you're part of the lynch mob and all of these sort of things, which is the furthest thing from the truth. I wholeheartedly believe in Arteta. I have concerns about what he's doing based on what my eyes are showing. In the same way man was singing to the high heavens when he's bringing grit, determination, 17, 18 pass moves, man's asking what's going on. Because Lacazette might not be the best and he's declining. William, I don't even mention my man's name, he's getting me mad. Abamian, all these guys, they might not be the best guys in terms of an attacking sense. But they're definitely good enough to present Asta Villa more problems. Week in, week out, they're definitely better enough, good enough to ask problems. In the same way, it's a bit different, but we did it against United. But we, you know, we got a penalty. What did we create from open play? Now, against Man United, we cut them open a bit more in comparison to how we have. But this is what I mean. It's not sustainable. You can defend as much as you like. You can think about the opposition as much as you like. But you've got to want to do something. I hear if, if Arteta doesn't trust these players defensively, I hear that. I wouldn't either. But, you know, the Premier League, you've got to have a goal. This ain't the days where you can consistently go places, get a 1-0 win, and, you know, sit back, get a 1-0, sit back for 90 minutes. It's not sustainable at all, people. And 
Arteta's got to go back to the drawing board, you know. He's got to pattern himself, really, because as much as I feel the players were poor, he was equally um, responsible for that defeat yesterday, people. It is what it is in that regards, man. It really is. Moving away from that, though, and, you know, my thoughts on the Premier League with the international break is that nobody's really made their mark. I've seen some positives and negatives in every team. I don't think there's a team that's been perfect, you know. I think if I... In comparison to expectations, I think I'd say Leicester, Southampton, Aston Villa have had positive starts to the season. But that being said, I'm sure they would all want to look at it and say, have they done well? Liverpool and City, it's not the end of the world. Spurs, night neither, they're up there. But would they say these? Would any of these fans say their teams have 100% convinced? If you do, you're a liar because there's still frailties in that Spurs team. Have they won away from, have they won at home? Chelsea, yeah, they're conceding, they're, they've stopped conceding, but they're still gelling and whatnot. Arsenal, again, problems, best way to say it. Man United, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, problems. Manchester City, can Pep Guardiola revive himself? And, you know, we've seen good results with them. We've seen some iffy ones. Liverpool, the same. Nobody's, every, some play, teams obviously look better than others. Other teams, uh, than, than others, obviously. But not everyone's looked, not everybody's convinced 100% across all dynamics of their squad. It is what it is. In relation to transfer news, though, apparently AC Milan are trying to, in get 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 Manchester United fullback Dilo on a permanent transfer. Apparently, Depay is frustrated at Lyon and he still wants to move to Barcelona. Apparently, Engolo Kante is a target for Inter Milan next season as well as Real Madrid. Phil Foden is in line to triple his wages. Apparently, England's Nations League game with Iceland on the 18th of November may be moved to a neutral country because of COVID restrictions on travel to the UK from Denmark and that would affect Arsenal's second choice goalkeeper Renison. Um apparently Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still has the backing of his players despite the team's inconsistent pardon me form. Apparently Hoiberg is set to miss Denmark's home matches against whoever they're playing because of corona isolation protocols surrounding a return to the country. Um Xhaka said he was, his heart was gone from Arsenal before Mikel Arteta returned to the club to take over. I don't give a crap about that. Liverpool's Premier Champions League game apologies with FC Michelin next month could be in doubt because of the government's new travel ban on non-UK visitors from Denmark. Um, who else? They're not really doing much in terms of transfers. Moise Keane wants to complete a permanent move to PSG. Um, there isn't too there isn't too much in terms of transfers. This is all just broad news, people, really and truly. You know, there was an article in The Athletic which said, you know, there's still question marks over Mason Greenwood's professionalism and Manchester United have have that have had such to the point where they're concerned how he's training and talks of another new deal have been postponed. Again, I'd, I'd like to stay away from these things. You know, someone like Greenwood, the minute he got caught in that little issues with girls, you know, throughout his whole career, this will surround him now. So... I don't like to look at it, all of these things, people, but it is what it is in that regards. I just thought I'd say it to you. The Athletic, Athletic have also said neutral venues for Premier League matches are back on the agenda. Um, at last Thursday's Premier League shareholders meeting, club representatives agreed to play on during England's second lockdown while maintaining extra vigilance and all existing COVID-19 protocols. But the Athletic understands the Premier League has once again drawn up plans for matches to take place at neutral venues in the event of any club struggling to fulfil their home matches because of the pandemic people. Some stadiums are likely to be in more demand than others as neutral venues, although the choice is naturally dependent on the local COVID-19 situations at the time they are required. It is understood stadiums with ample access for parking 
around them, such as Brighton and Hove Albion's Amex Stadium, Southampton St. Mary's, the Etihad and even Old Trafford are likely to be more suitable than others, such as Everton's Goodison Park, which is surrounded by housing in a city that has been hit particularly hard by coronavirus people. Um, apparently on the topic of corona and to end this podcast people corona covid19 pandemic was always going to cause logistical problems for football's anti-doping procedures but the athletic has discovered the extent to which testing dropped off during the first national lockdown of approximately 500 premier league players 20 squads of 25 man players 25 20 squads of 25 man players only 24 were tested during 100 days between march the the 10th and june the 17th this year that equates to less than one player every four days only a further 54 players of an estimated 1000 only a, only of, of i think this says basically of 1800 potential footballers again that could have been tested 54 were tested um in the in the three divisions below the premier league during the same period so again i do sympathize with covid and all these things it makes testing difficult and i don't think anyone's necessarily a cheat but obviously you know, the cynic in me would say, if you are a cheat, this is the best time to potentially cheat and use performance enhancing things, people. Um, so it is what it is in that regards, people. Like I said, it's been it's a disappointing way to enter the international break. But maybe this is what the boys need for Arsenal players. Go off and do what you're doing for your countries. Remember the L you just took. Go and watch the video again. But go and clear your head. Arteta, go and clear your head. Go and do some soul discovery because I think Arteta, as much as these players, needs to do some soul searching and nip things in the bud. Um, if you're Oli Golasosha, you know you're hoping that this 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 heat surrounding your future dies down. If you're Lampard and Spurs to a degree, you can't wait till the winter till the Premier League comes back. And the same goes for Southampton, Leicester, and a bunch of our other teams. But win, lose, or draw, you know me. I'm always gonna be here doing the deluded podcast, speaking about Arsenal as well as my thoughts on the Premier League as a whole. If you haven't had enough of me, please go check out my YouTube content. You know I've got a bag of stuff there. Everything's in the description. We'll be back again. Will there be a deluded podcast next week? I'm not gonna say yes. I'm not gonna say no. There's probably nothing to speak about. But I'm never one to let you guys down so you know friday there might be a next thing if not you know i'll be back a week on monday on that note though as i said please check out all my socials make sure you're following on instagram in, in particular i need to get to ten thousand, man i'm only on free so i can help a brother out on that note though deluded i'm out man thank you very much for listening and rocking with the dg podcast make sure you've hit the subscription make sure you're following on spotify make sure you're following all the things on youtube i'm out